Hello, my sparkly friends. This is LJ, and you're listening to Adaptively Intersectional, the podcast that discusses intersectional topics. We do a lot of live readings of fiction and graphic novels that feature intersectional authors. We are going to be reading The Second Heart by E.A. Kafkalas. And I am so excited about it. It's a little steamy. It's sci-fi. And the author is such a lovely individual. I met E.A. at this lesbian conference for literature that I attended. And I met some really lovely people there. EA was one of my favorites and I'm going to be having a podcast in the future with uh, another author that I met there. That's gonna be in September though. So that's gonna be great. Let's read the back of the book so you can learn a little bit about EA and the book before we begin. The second heart is love truly universal. Major Kate Winston is a decorated officer with a promising career until she wakes up naked in the arms of a strange woman with no memory of how she got there. (laughs) Alexia is from another planet sent by the elders to kill Major Winston to put off the foreseen destruction of their planet by Earth's mistakes. From the backwoods of Pennsylvania, to New York City, to Alexia's home world, the novel weaves a tale of emotional intrigue as two women from different worlds struggle with their desires and life and death decisions. Continuing to the author's bio, novelist and playwright E.A. Kafkalis is the author of the novels The Second Heart, Soul Mistakes, and Frankie and Petra, and the plays lopsided in Pandora's Golden Box, more at eakafkalis.com. We're doing this live, and so I'm responding to someone's comment. Thank you, Luke. I am honored that this is relaxing. I hope that my voice is soothing enough to fall asleep, too. I hope it's not disruptive. <laughs> so what's kind of cool about how EA sets up her chapters there in, in this book Instead of chapters, they're days. And what I find is intriguing is that there's no day one yet. It starts, page one is day two. So we're left to wonder, what has happened in day one? Dun, dun, dun. So um, there's a quote before everything starts. That's from Sung Si, The Art of War. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Mm, Such an interesting tone. And the dedication is for my muse. Day 2. Kate Winston struggled to rouse herself from unnaturally deep sleep. The scent of lavender aroused memories of better times. She felt the silk of bare skin beneath her own. Someone's fingers danced through her hair. So familiar. Monica? For the first time in over two years, she felt safe. You are awake, thank goodness. A strange voice. She bolted to full consciousness while suppressing any physical indication that she felt threatened. Never let them see you squirm. Against the background of paneled walls and shabby curtains was the woman who held her. 
She had an unearthly beauty and neon blue eyes. How do you feel? She wasn't buying the innocent act. She'd be the one to ask the questions. Where am I? You do not remember what transpired between us? No. Her head felt woozy. She grabbed the nightstand to maintain her balance. Since Monica, there had been no one. There is no need to be agitated. You must rest further. The woman eased her back onto the bed. Look, I can't be with another woman. It could jeopardize everything I've worked for. You mean your military career? You seem to have the advantage here. My name is Alexia. Excuse me? Alexia, she stumbled. We're going to have to shorten that. Where are my clothes? Alexia pulled the sweatpants and t-shirt she normally slept in from a chewed-up wooden dresser. How does she have my pajamas? While she could understand the stranger's allure, she could not fathom going anywhere with someone she had just met, even someone as drafted gorgeous as Allie. While trying to put her foot through the pant leg, she collapsed onto an easy chair, leaking stuffing. Beneath her feet, she, beneath her feet was dingy orange carpeting. Look, Allie, is it? Whatever I said to you last night, I must have had a lot to drink. I don't remember drinking. How did I get here? You did not partake of any alcoholic beverages. Now, you're just freaking me out. I don't know who put you up to this or how you got me here. Hell, she didn't know where here was. Where are we? A motel room. Obviously, I mean a motel room where? I am not certain the name where. I've got to go. <laughs> I do not feel that is a wise course of action. I fear you will not make it. Well, you don't know me at all then. She yanked the door open and marched out. The cool concrete felt good against her bare feet. Suddenly, she was seized by a stabbing pain under her left breast, so strong that it left her breathless. Jesus, what the... Alexia's hands steadied her. Come, lie down. You have lost much blood. A memory jolted her body. The fight, the beam of light, the wound. She pushed Elixia away and examined her side. She cupped her hand over her side. The last time she'd done that, blood had oozed through her fingers. She lifted her shirt. There was no blood, no stitches, no wound. You tried to hurt me. She backed away, trying to get her heart rate under control and grasp what happened. Grasp what had transpired. Shh, quiet. You are still quite weak. The stranger tried to draw her back into her arms. Don't touch me! She shoved the stranger away with all the force she had left. Damn the pain. She was getting out of here. She surveyed the parking lot, but her car was nowhere in, the, in sight. Cab it is. Marching toward the flashing vacancy sign, she felt the black top dig into her bare feet. Still, she felt things were going to be okay until the sign blurred, as did everything around her. The tailgate of the truck felt cool under her hand as she steadied herself. What the hell was happening to her? In a flash, the stranger stood before her, completely naked. Are you crazy? 
Quickly, she scanned the parking lot to see if anyone was watching. Get back inside now! She grabbed the stranger and ushered her back inside. The door frame was the closest thing she could find to help support her when the shooting pain started. I understand you are frightened. The stranger opened her hands, palms up. They were the same hands that cut her, and the same hands that tried to undo the damage. The pounding of her heart slowed. She could feel the warmth as his hands reached for her. I know what you are thinking. However, I will not wound you again. How can I be sure? Hands gripped her face, forcing Kate to look into her brilliant blue eyes. I speak the truth. The sincerity in her voice was almost convincing. Or was it the warmth radiating from the stranger's hands? Removing them allowed Kate to regain her composure. But you did try to kill me. Yet I could not do it. Why not? I have grown to care for you. We don't even know each other. You are not the person they led me to believe you were. I would not have healed you if I believed otherwise. Healed me? You have noted the wound is gone. Alexia lifted Kate's shirt and ran her hand over the skin below her ribcage for emphasis. Kate caught the stranger's hand in hers. Her touch was enough to make Kate's hair stand on end. How? I assure you, the procedure is elementary. There's no scar. You would have preferred if I left one? She studied the stranger carefully. Her skin, like the models on the covers of magazines, was airbrushed of all flaws. She was too perfect. I've never met anyone like you before. Of that, I am certain. We do not frequent your planet. Now she was tempted to laugh. Planet? Elixia nodded. I am from Nimau. Never heard of it. Nimau. It is a small planet, about three galaxies from here. Okay, where are the cameras? She surveyed the room. The joke is over. I speak the truth. Why do you doubt me? Don't you think it's rather strange you should come from three galaxies away to kill me? The absurdity of it all, and the screaming pain in her side, forced her to close the door. She sat in a leaky chair, hoping to gather her wits and strength. And where the hell are your clothes? I removed them when I tended your wound. Kate looked around the room and spotted her pack on the nightstand. Thank God. I thought you would not be comfortable resting against my tunic. It is made of coarse fibers. She tossed her tunic on the bed. Kate needed a cigarette to clear her head. Lighting one, she took a long drag. Did you ever think of just letting me rest my head on a pillow? Or don't you use those on your planet? You are being harsh. Said the alien that tried to kill me. You cried out in your sleep. When I took you in my arms, you stopped. Monica. Two years had passed since her death. She could still smell the mixture of industrial disinfectant, feel the lifeless hand, see the flat line. The hollow feeling in the pit of her stomach was back. She had to get a hold of herself. You still have much pain. You need to let go of her. Easier said than done. Monica had been her world for five years. 
The cancer had claimed her before Kate had time to prepare, as if one could prepare to lose her true love. She set her cigarette in the ashtray. Ali picked up the cigarette. Please, do not hide behind these sticks of death. What are you, my mother? Give me that. She could not help leaving you, Kate. She did not wish to die any more than you wished her to. How did you know all that? I can read your thoughts. Well, knock it off. She saw a flicker of pain in Ali's eyes. Not her concern right now. The situation had to be contained. Why are we in a motel? Two men in uniforms are looking for you. I had to move you off base before they found you. Damn it! Captain Altman must have been investigating officers. Now she really had to get out of this room. How far are we from Fort Eustace? I drove until your sun touched the horizon. She needed more information. Opening the door, she walked out onto the balcony, the expansive hillside, the beat-up gas station, the run-down motel. Clearly, rural America. But where? Did you bring my shoes? Yes. Great. Biting back the pain in her side, she grabbed the sneakers Allie held out to her. Where do you intend to go? Back to the base. You will never make it. Your body has not completed the healing process. She strode out to the door. My CEO will have to have me discharged if she finds out I didn't report for duty because I was in a motel with another woman. She pulled the doorknob and felt the sharp pain again. This time it was worse, and she crashed to her knees. Letting herself fall onto her side, she pulled her knees to her chest to help curb the pain. Get a hold of yourself, Kate. You've taken bullets in the line of duty. This should be a cakewalk. Forcing herself back onto her knees, she grabbed the doorknob. Ellie reached down, scooped her up as if she weighed nothing, and laid her back on the bed. You are going to have to trust me. The damage the laser caused was significant. I don't even know who the hell you are. How am I supposed to trust you? I would like to be your friend. Yeah, well, here's a tip: friends don't usually try to kill each other. Her cheek brushed against her cheek brushed against the tunic that Ellie had worn. She turned to look at the scratchy fiber. There was something familiar about it. Yes, it was like one of the prototypes she'd seen when she visited the Tobihana house, the Tobihana base. What the hell? This fabric hasn't been released yet. She struggled to sit up. Ellie pushed her back down. You need to rest, Kate. Ellie produced a small crystal about the size of a quarter from the night table. What the hell's that for? Onto the next scene, Alexia passed the crystal over Kate's forehead and watched as Kate's eyes closed. The scent of fear that filled the air dissipated, and she felt Kate's pulse slow to a steady resting pace. She spooned Kate. The warmth of another body so close to hers was intoxicating. How long had she waited for this? She couldn't even remember. Life on Nemao. Was spent in solitude, working in her lab. Her sisters thought she was being ridiculous, turning down the advances of several eligible women. But she was looking for something different. She focused her energies on her work and her studies. She felt the warmth of Kate's body, listened to the rhythm of Kate's breathing. Amazed, an unconscious act could produce such a soothing effect on her. And she needed soothing. 
Elixia was still rattled from the night. The blood from Kate's wound had been everywhere. She spent hours cleaning Kate, the car, and herself. Only after standing under the boiling water and scrubbing any trace of Kate's blood from her body had she allowed herself the joy of holding another being. She wanted to stay as close as possible now. For all she knew, the officers weren't the only ones looking for her. Kate was willful. When she woke up, she would try again to leave. Alexia had to devise a way to prevent that. After risking everything to save this woman, she would not lose her now. Stones hit stones. A car coasted over the gravel driveway below. She sat up. Cars had come and gone all day, but this car had coasted into the parking lot with the engine turned off. Clearly, the occupants wanted to go unnoticed. Forgoing her coarse garment, she grabbed a sweatsuit she had found on Kate's bedroom floor. She could hear them talking below. A deep voice. You check with the clerk. I'll check, the check out the license plate. As the men below scurried off in different directions, Alexia cropped back into the room. She lifted Kate's sleeping body effortlessly and draped it over her shoulder. Kate did not stir. Then she picked up the bag and started quietly toward the back of the room. She had already planned her route. She would go down the fire escape and around the motel to the car she parked behind the gas station across the street. She inhaled deeply, made sure Kate's unconscious body was as close to hers as possible. And she pushed her head through the layers of the sheetrock and aluminum siding to assess the situation. She heard a man's feet kicking up gravel. She froze. A heavyset man stood no more than ten feet ahead. Room 22, he said to someone out of her range of sight. She heard much damage from the sticks of death in his voice, and his step was heavier and slower than his partner's. The man clicked a gun clip into place before heading up the creaky wooden stairway on the other end of the building. She pushed the rest of their bodies through the wall and sped across the road to the gas station. Her movements could barely be heard even to her advanced capabilities. She laid Kate in the back seat of the car. Without turning over the ignition, she slipped the car into gear and coasted around the station using the momentum of the hill to send her down the highway until she could no longer see the motel or gas station behind her. When she felt no one had followed them, she turned on the lights and the engine, then turned the car around and headed back to the direction they had come. She felt certain if she headed back toward the base, her trackers would not pursue them. In the rearview mirror, she could see Kate, still asleep. The healing process would take inordinately long, as a human metabolism did not function in quite the same way as hers. If she had to keep Kate safe, she had to keep Kate safe until it was over. She cursed herself for ever using her crystal as a laser. The training they had put her through to prepare her for this mission was unconscionable. No one had undergone that level of martial arts training in centuries. Namau had evolved into a peaceful planet, and the training had been banned in her great-great-grandmother's day. Even now, she was uncertain of why she had been chosen. What methods had they used to convince her to use her crystal against another being? She remembered trying to reason with the High Council. She was certain she could find a peaceful solution to the problem. The elders were convinced the only solution was the elimination of Major Winston. 
since Earthlings were weaker both physically and intellectually, the Council deems Kate expendable. For the past month, she had worked hard to assimilate into Earth society. She spent her days watching Major Winston's actions, documenting her habits, looking for her opportune moment. In time, she found herself drawn to the Major in a way she had never been attracted to anyone. She enjoyed that the Major's daily routines were similar to her own. In the evenings after work, Kate would relax by doing Tai Chi, shower, then prepare something to eat while she listened to soothing music. Afterwards, she would play the piano for hours on end or read. Her only companion was Othello, a small black cat who would sit on Kate's lap for hours at a time. She tried to bring the cat, but he had scratched her hand until it bled. Othello was frightened by Kate's cries of pain. Had there been more time, she would have tried harder, but she knew the officers were approaching and she had to leave him. She hoped that someone had taken the cat, as she knew how much Kate cared for him. She checked the rearview mirror. Good. Kate was still sleeping soundly. She would find another motel in a couple hours and then rest herself. First, she wanted to put as much distance between Kate and their pursuers as she could. They were not yet following, but how long would it take them to switch course, she could not tell. Her people had certainly underestimated human intelligence. Despite her recent training, she would need all her resources to outwit Earthlings trained to track people for a living. So that's where we'll stop for. <laughs> I'm just looking at some of the comments. I'm really glad that you all have been enjoying this. Um, that's where we're going to stop for this evening at page 10. And in those 10 pages, there's quite a bit of story. Um, the next is day three. And if you would like to read more, you should buy the second heart. And you can find it um, either on eacofcollis.com, but it's also on Amazon. Either, I believe it's an ebook form, but you could also get the hard copy. Either one. It's obviously such a good book. I'm glad that you are thinking that it's great too. So thank you for tuning in. I hope that this is sending you off to sleep really well with um, interesting dreams. <laughs> okay. Well, sending you lots of love and light. And I said I was going to have a posting schedule. But... <laughs> kind of sending that that to the wind for now because of my health hasn't been the best so it's kind of post when i feel like it mm, we'll say like once a week to once every two weeks until things are a little bit normal with my buddy are they ever gonna be normal probably not because that's what disability is all about <laughs> well again Thank you for listening to Adaptively Intersectional this evening or morning or afternoon, whatever time it is, wherever you are. Don't forget that you are beautiful and to make good with your ability, sending you lots of love and light. This is LJ Estrada Volpe signing off. Bye. -bye.